0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. (laughs) Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view, so give a tail wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself.
2: Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. I'd like to welcome a very special guest today, Jennifer Schryock. Jennifer is the founder of Dogs and Storks, a national program that prepares families with dogs for life with their new baby. On June 2nd, 2008, Dogs and Storks was written up on the cover page of the Wall Street Journal. Dogs and Storks is a trusted program for families offering educational DVDs since 2002 and being a mother of four Jennifer offers practical tips and clearly explains how and why preparing before baby arrives helps everyone towards a smoother transition. This is a really really important topic um, that you won't want to miss. So before we talk to Jennifer let's take a short break to hear from her sponsor
1: so don't go away. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess.
3: Three <coughs> 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 things, human. What planet?
0: Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Okay, class. Hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, teacher's pet. Pay attention, there may be a quiz later.
2: Hi, welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome today's guest, and this is a tough last name for me, (laughs) Jennifer Schryock, who will be talking to us today about getting ready for life with a new baby, whether it be your first baby or maybe even your second baby. Maybe your dog was your first baby, but I think the topic's important. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for joining us.
5: Thank you for having me, Pia. And I was—I was just thinking—if I had a clicker in my hand, I'd click you. Good job with the name.
3: <laughs> oh, <yeah.
5: laughs> Not an easy one. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we spoke with Colleen
2: Pilar, um, who's a licensed presenter for Dogs and Storks. I was really impressed with what she had to say, and I really wanted to learn more about the program. And I thought it could be beneficial to our audience as well. So, before I ask you particular questions. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization and how it got started?
5: Sure. Dogs and Storks started in 2001 when I actually was um, involved in dog rescue. I found so many dogs. I was president of German Shepherd Rescue here locally and I found so many dogs surrendered due to fears and unknown circumstances and also found a lot of dogs that were returned due to growling or bites that I felt strongly could be prevented. And there just didn't seem to be a lot of information and resources out there that I felt really were helpful for families. So I just started looking into it and decided that we needed a national program so that not only was it recognized in the dog community, but the childbirth community as well. And people had a lot of resources. And yeah, that's that what started it.
2: That's an important tip, too. Yeah, A lot of times people, they'll look to the dog to community, but not so much... Um like you said, in hospitals before the baby comes home, before the baby is born. Yeah, and I lo- I love the fact that you decided to go national with it. So you thought big. You looked at the big picture.
5: I do, and I feel so passionate about this because I believe strongly that if we can provide education to parents, we are doing such a service for the next generation of children and hopefully for the next group of dogs coming through. But I really am passionate about decreasing the number of dogs surrendered due to miscommunication.
2: Hear, here, I'm so in agreement with you. What are some of the main concerns that people have before they bring a baby home?
5: The main concerns usually are things that I'm sure you hear often as well is, will the dog accept the baby? And will their dog be jealous? These are the top questions. And, you know, if people prepare ahead, we can, we really address a lot of this in the program.
0: Yeah,
2: those are key questions uh, that I have found the exact same thing. And you also, you wrote, you wrote a really interesting article, Does My Dog Know I'm Pregnant? And I never thought about that, but that question does come up. And I get that question quite often. How do you respond to this? Share your information with our audience.
5: Sure, I, I feel that dogs are aware of changes. They really are detectives of body language. They study every little thing that we do. That's their way of communicating. Is really studying body language and watching and observing. They're great observers. And I think that when our body language which changes, especially towards the end of pregnancy, some dogs do feel that you're vulnerable. Um, they sense different changes. They also sense, you know, sense changes, obviously in your scent, hormones are Going crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different changes, and I, having just gone through pregnancy again myself, one of the things that I was reminded of was the mood changes. And for those of us who might be normally very calm, you know, very stable may have those moments where we're not, <laughs> not as stable during, during our pregnancy. And, you know, I found the times that maybe I was more emotional or crying or upset, my dogs were definitely more at it. You know, that was not normal behavior for me. So they notice a vulnerability and a change. And for some dogs, that can really rock their stability and cause them to be concerned. And a lot of dogs, when they feel concerned about how we're doing, can react out of fear or can feel a little more protective in situations. So that's a lot of what I try to express to people is to look at how they're responding, how they're behaving, and and let's look at how that might impact the dog. That's fabulous. And
2: I think I want to expand upon that because I had a client whose dog actually started to become nervous eating just breakfast. No other meal, just breakfast. So we try to it down to something that might have happened the room what could it be and then she said you know there was a time there was one time I was in a really cranky mood and I dropped something and then I got really really frustrated it was when the dog was eating his breakfast so he connected he obviously connected the two and um, if she would leave the room the dog would eat breakfast but when she was present the dog had a difficult time eating breakfast
5: Wow, yeah. It's amazing what associations can be made and how that can impact a dog for a long period. And it's not every dog. We have to be very careful about assessing each individual dog. It's not based on breed, it's really based on the individual and what sensitivities they have. And that's a huge component of our program, is to really help families hone in on the sensitivities of the dog. So, for example, that dog, Obviously, has sensitivities. I would say to startling and noises and things like that. That's something very important for families to note as they prepare for the baby.
2: Beautiful. I, I love that too. And it, because it's not a cookbook. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Excellent.
5: What are some of the
2: key steps uh, to keeping a baby safe?
5: Well, the first thing is obviously 100% supervision. I think when many people bring the baby home, they, you know, it, it, there's so much going on. And um, having just gone through this, we have four dogs in our household. And, you know, it, again, figuring out what's going to work for your family, knowing your dog's sensitivities, encouraging families to develop a familiarity with the dog in a way that's managed, you know, by supervision. So, what I mean by that is, I feel that it's really important for dogs to be included in daily routines. Um, they need to observe the baby so that they become familiar with the baby. Dogs that are not familiar with the baby or are put outside or excluded, actually the baby becomes a novelty, and that can be riskier. What we want to do is include the dog in ways that they can observe and they can you know see the changes, see smell the you know, smell be, hear, all that in the comfort of their trusted person and be rewarded for the appropriate behaviors that we would like to continue. Excellent, That's, excellent. You know, that is, that is the safest, safest thing. But I will say that there's nothing that replaces supervision. And as many times as we say that, supervision means at no time should the dog have access to the baby, even if the people are sleeping. You know, Mm. I don't want, you know, we have to watch where do you place the bassinet when you're asleep, you're not aware. Um, Actually, I know of a a dog trainer who woke up with her Jack Russell uh, in the bassinet (sighs) with the baby um, because the dog used the the bed as a leaping post, you know, launch pad. you know.
0: right. So we have to
5: look at all those things. And that's the kind of thing that we discuss. Mm. What does supervision really mean? You know, Mm -hmm. it means closing the door and making sure your dog doesn't have access and making sure that there's 100% adult awake supervision.
2: That's a great, great point, too. And I had to chuckle for a second when you said you had four dogs and you just had a baby, so this is your fourth child. Hopefully, you didn't have the baby, so each child could have a dog.
5: No, no, I didn't. We have five cats. So, hey, you know, okay. we're stopping right there. That's right. <laughs> no patterns, really. So, what are some yes. tips
2: that you give um, when educating parents about signs of stress in dogs?
5: Right. There are lots of signs that dogs offer to us that many people are not as familiar with. And, you know, I wasn't familiar with it either. On our website, there's a lot of the pictures that I use in our program that are of uh, my Malamute Shepherd mix. I, I really wasn't familiar with the signs of stress when we adopted her years ago. and um, But subtle things like, you know licking lips, turning away, um, you know, even actually sudden scratching in the the corner of the room. Some avoidance behaviors that we look at um, can be signs of stress. There's lots of different things, and we do a lot of education about that in the program and on the DVD, but also any kind of change in behavior. So, for example, if a dog that normally has a ravenous appetite, once you're home with baby in the first months or so, you see a change in that, that would be a, a sign of stress to me. Dogs that completely avoid the baby, 100%, don't want to look, don't, you know, kind of walk on the outskirts of the room, don't want to participate. Any changes in their what I would consider their normal behavior would be signs of stress and things that we need to really look into and, and work on for the dog.
2: Good, yeah, you're bringing up some really, really good points. And if I'm sure you've come across that if you have major concerns about a baby coming into a particular household. How do you handle this with expected parents?
5: I am very honest with families. I think there's no sense in, in, you know, sugarcoating something. If there is a dog that truly there are very serious considerations, maybe there's a very extensive history for that dog. Um, We're going to talk about it very openly. We're going to talk about all the possibilities and all the options for management as well as structure for that dog so they can be successful. There are times they cannot be successful. There are times that children and, you know, babies absolutely, for whatever reason, just don't agree with dogs. It's rare that I come across that kind of case, but it has happened. Um, Many families have dogs that are adopted, and Mm -hmm. they have, you know, rescue dogs have prior histories, and we just don't know where that is or what are the triggers sometimes until we're in the situation. So we have to be really fair and consider each individual case. But I, I believe in being honest, setting out a plan, working with my families closely, and doing what is right by everybody to decrease the stress.
2: Yeah, that that's important. I find one of the concerns that I have when I'm working with families is a dog that has serious issues about guarding resources or uh, food guarding, I'm not is concerned about but when the dog is starting to guard you know anything he might pick up (laughs) tissue or something like that yeah yeah you never know when there could be a piece of popcorn that has fallen underneath the sofa and the dog decides he's perhaps he's on the sofa and he's been guarding it but the child the infant obviously doesn't know that once they start crawling so I find that that's always a concern of mine
5: Guarding well, behavior is very concerning because sometimes it starts out with one thing, and you and I both know it can start out with a very, you know, maybe something that you can control. Some dogs extend that to be more generalized guarding of different things. Um, I had a family that had a dog who loved little baby socks, and you could never tell when she had it um, because she tucked it underneath her. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's a lot of different things, and that that is a very serious concern. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yep. Don't go away. We're just going to hear a word from our sponsors. So please come back. Hang on, everyone. Thanks.
1: Okay, class. Grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. <laughs>
3: So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com.
2: Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com.
0: Having a rough day, longing for the dog days of summer, Life Radio. Dot com
1: Okay class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Ugh. Okay, teacher's pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later
2: welcome back to teachers pet on pet life radio this is pia Silvana, your host and joining us is jennifer Shryock, talking about getting your dog ready for a new baby jennifer one of the main questions i get also is um you and you mentioned this earlier will my dog be jealous or maybe when the baby does arrive they feel that the dog is jealous of the new arrival how do you answer that question or that comment
5: Yeah, this comes up quite a bit, and this is a really valid concern that many families have. It's funny because each time I added another baby to my household, you know, Mm -hmm. I went through this as well. Um, So I think that this is a normal question, and what I really have people focus on is what can we do uh, to, to handle this? So it's not so much maybe that your dog is jealous. It really is more about what has worked for the dog up to that point with getting your attention. I mean, jealousy is really, you know, what? It's based on attention. So we need to address that. What has worked to get your attention, and will those things still work? So, for example, if you're sitting and watching TV every single night and your dog dog comes over with a soggy tennis ball and drops it in your lap, when you're nursing baby or you're tending to baby, will that be appropriate or will that get you to say, no, go lay down, no, Mm -hmm. you know, or or redirect the dog? We really want to look at how people are going to handle those behaviors, um, identify the ones that are no longer going to be practical or convenient, and give the dog an alternative way to um, seek your behavior that's going to work for everybody and be safe. So that's the biggest thing is dogs. I've been in homes, PO where a dog will continuously offer behaviors that have worked before to no avail. And and they keep going through their repertoire until finally they pee on the floor and say, you know, that works. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Because mm -hmm. it does. Dogs will work for negative behavior. And, you know, we really want to avoid people, avoid... uh, the person feeling like they need to correct the dog when they come over. And I have to say, when you bring home a newborn and your dog comes over and seeks attention by putting their paw on your lap, that's not going to get a happy greeting.
3: Right. We really
5: want to help eliminate those behaviors before baby's there.
2: Yeah, that's such a good point because so many people, and you probably have found this too, I have a, a case right now. She's due in two weeks. And they want to try to change the dog's behavior in the very short period of time before a baby comes home. And I so agree with you. The earlier they start, the better. I mean, don't wait until you think there's a problem or there has been a problem and now you're starting to panic.
5: Absolutely. I love working. I even work with families who are adopting. And some of the families that I work with, we work well ahead of time. Um, and I've got to say, the results are fantastic when we can work with people ahead of time to really isolate the issues and work on these to have a successful outcome for everybody.
2: Great. And life, as we know, is is just so hectic today. And
5: sadly, the dog
2: schedule obviously is going to change. So what advice do you give people to help the dog stay exercised both mentally as well as physically?
5: I really encourage families to ditch their dog food bowl. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, not use the dog' food bowl as long as there's not a medical need for that dog to eat at specific time of day and some dogs have that need. then I encourage people to measure out their food in the morning and use it throughout the day for mental stimulation and activities. There's a lot of you know a lot of wasted time when we just throw the food in the bowl and and dog scarfs it down very quickly. We can be using that food to reinforce the behaviors we want. Um, One of the things that I do is a kibble fetch, you know. I can be nursing my baby and toss a kibble and Windsor, um, our rescued pit bull runs and gets the kibble, comes back, sits. I toss another, runs, comes back, sits. It it wears him out. You know, there's a lot of different things that we encourage families to do to use the food, but we don't want to put the pounds on. You know, we don't want that to happen. So we really want to use the food throughout the day. Um, There's plenty of frozen food, I mean, food dispensing toys that we can do. I freeze them, obviously. I always say frozen food dispensing toys. But there's plenty of interactive games and things that we can do to include the dog and Mm -hmm. um, reinforce behaviors and wear them out mentally, wear them out physically, and um, have fun. Yeah, I I don't think people realize that,
2: that, you know, even just five minutes, like you said, of teaching a retrieve for a piece of kibble and then coming to sit and lie down in between, it exhausts them much more than running for 10 minutes many times.
5: Right, and they're engaging with you. That is Mm -hmm. so important. That is really what we have to emphasize to people. When you have the baby in the first three months, you really want to include the dog as much as possible, um, and, and some dogs, I have, like I said, I have four dogs, and each one of them has such individual personalities and temperament and needs. And so the way we included each one of them was very different. And that's important to note, too. There's no one thing that works for every single dog. Different personalities, different traits. But, again, Windsor is our most energetic boy, and he needed to be included in a way that was going to wear him out. And he needs to use his mind a lot, or he'll, get, he'll try he'll, he'll get <laughs> into mischief. Right. right. (laughs) so put it nicely
2: (laughs) and I'm not sure if you agree but I think a mistake that people make and it's an innocent mistake is they don't give the dog any attention when the baby's there but when they put the baby to sleep that's when they give the dog all the attention what are your feelings on that
5: Well, I I can understand how that happens, and there are definitely times that I believe that it is better for the dog not to be included. For example, if you're having a very stressful day and you're really not going to be pleasant to your dog in those moments, and they do happen, unfortunately. Um, that may be an appropriate time to give the dog another option, give them a, a food dispensing toy that they can enjoy in a, in a calm situation. But I would say most of the time you want to try to include the dog. In the first three months, we can include the dog, you know, in the room with us. I inc- encourage a lot of tether activities. Um, that's one way. If you don't want them directly underfoot, um, if you've practiced a place command, that's a fantastic way so that they can observe, and you can toss treats, or you can talk to them, or they can just be enjoying something that they enjoy. Um, you know, but I like to include them as much as possible. It is really hard when you have those moments to yourself. You know, I, I, you know, to, to want to include the dog 100% when the baby is sleeping, but you really got to include them as much as possible in the routines that you're doing too. Um, that really does help set everybody up for more success and bonding.
2: Yes, bonding, definitely, definitely. <laughs> now, I was really impressed. I saw on your website too that you offer continuing support for family members.
5: How is this done? Anybody who has attended a Dogs and Stork's workshop or has purchased the DVD is welcome to join us for ongoing support, and that is ongoing forever. I, and they can sign up um, on you know on our website. And the purpose of this is really, there are many times that a simple question needs to be asked. And, you you know, everybody is struggling financially right now, and I feel very strongly that we need to have resources available so that it's convenient for people. And I want them to have a place to go. And that's what ongoing support provides. Um, Either myself or another Dogs and Storks presenter will be happy to get back to them and answer any questions that they have. And it's a minimal subscription fee um, of $20, but it is something that we feel is very important and a good resource for families.
2: Absolutely. I just love that concept. I just have not heard that before, and, and I agree with you. I think it's so important. It's just sort of a, like a lifeline for them.
5: <laughs> and, Pia, questions come up. I mean, everybody thinks so. It's just when we bring the baby home and we got through that. But as your baby grows and develops, there are going to be questions along the way, and we really, really want to emphasize the importance of getting help, talking to people, and having good, positive solutions in those situations, and that's the point of the ongoing support too.
2: Excellent, excellent. And I see also that you have a DVD for sale. So what's covered in the DVD if somebody's thinking about purchasing it, and how can they go about getting a copy?
5: Our DVD is an example of a dogs and storks consultation and it's an interview with a couple who's expecting and we cover most of the important questions that families want to know. It really covers every single question that I've been asked over the years and the, the top questions, um, and, and we problem-solve during this uh, consultation and go over those things. And so it's really helpful for people. It also has a narrated PowerPoint that um, used to be the DVD because there's so much information in there on body language and information um, and activities so it, it covers a great deal of information, and it's a great option for families who either a dogs and strokes presenter isn't near them or they don't have a class similar to that. Um, it's a great option for many people.
2: Yeah, I think that's terrific. God, we're running out of time, but I have one more question.
5: How are presenters
2: educated, or uh, I don't know, are they certified, and where can people find one in their particular area?
5: Dogs and storks presenters need to come with an extensive already, you know, strong dog behavior background because they are working in situations where there might be aggression and other things that are very complex and complicated. We do provide ongoing support and education via teleconferences throughout the year and other classes um, that I offer to our presenters only. It's important we stay current in all the, do- the baby equipment trends and the different changes, um, and-, and that's something that I really prioritize for presenters. But, um, you know, it's important that they already have a very strong dog behavioral background, and then we just bump that up with the dog and baby dynamics. And um, you can find a Dogs and Storks presenter by going to the dogsandstorks.com website and look under Find a Presenter. And if we don't have someone in your area, you can always contact me. I do network with many trainers throughout the U.S. And we'll hook you up with someone who I feel is an excellent resource as well.
2: Fabulous! It's just such a great organization that you started. I just, I think it's just so necessary, and I really wish you the best of luck. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more presenters in every single state. Thank you, Pia. Good. Thanks so much for joining us, Jennifer. Also, I'd like to give a special thanks to our producers for making this show happen. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for shows, please email me at pia at petliferadio.com. So, until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you, Jennifer, and thank you for your interest in Pet Life Radio.
1: School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.